chapter one. Um, and I would encourage you as we're going through the series, which will take a little bit of while, a little time. Uh, read through it many times. Read through the book many times. Read through it once in one sitting. About, take about 30 minutes. And then just go through uh, reading, you know, paragraphs at a time or whatever. Just working from the beginning all the way through it. Write down notes, thoughts, and different things. And it would be awesome at the end of this time um, for you to come away and go, man, I can really picture the book in my mind. And I kind of know the truths there and where to find answers in the book of Colossians. Let me give you one more thought on this as a point of discipleship. Um, I try to do my best, and whoever's preaching, same thing. Uh, to take the word of God, study it and open up and expose what's there. Um, never is it my intention, and I hope you don't get lazy in this, for you to come away and go, oh, that, he gave us all we need in that passage, and so now we don't have, now he did our work for us, and he did the digging and chopped it up and cut it up and exposed it and put it out there, and so, um, you know, that's about as good as it's going to get. No, 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 there's so much more there than what I'm, I'm just scratching the surface on a given Sunday of what's there and just kind of prayerfully with the things that I feel like God's, the primary things in the text that God's calling me to emphasize and wants to say to us as a body. But nonetheless, there's plenty more there for us to be nourished. And for that matter, it's amazing how much louder God screams to us, shouts to us, speaks to us. Sometimes the louder is even in a still small voice. Nonetheless, how much louder God can convict and work in our hearts than when I'm up here yelling at you guys for, uh, you know, 40, 45 minutes. Okay, so so get in the word yourself, read it yourself, and then hopefully what, what, what I hope, my prayer would be that when you come to the word, you're not intimidated by it because you've been taught through a good bit of it. So where it's not as intimidating and you have some more information that's going to help you get more out of your time alone with God. So again, this time is not to replace your time alone. It's to give you some, some more uh, encouragement. So when you are alone with the Lord, reading through the same stuff that you have uh, you have more information. It's going to help you get more out of it in your time alone with God. Make sense? So Colossians chapter 1, verse 3. I'm going to start from 3. We're really starting at 9, but I want to give you a little bit precursor because verse 9 says, For this reason also, since the day we have heard of it, we have not ceased to pray for you. And so before we look at verse 9, we have to go back and remind ourselves of what is the reason that he's praying for them. And so let's do that. Uh, and let, let me pray before we do that. Lord Jesus, we do ask that you would do what only you can do, and that is to take uh, words on paper that, that are the manifestation of your wisdom that you have breathed, you have inspired, you have caused to be, and to bring them alive to us. You say that your word is living and active and sharper than a two-edged sword, and so we pray that you would cause your word to accomplish that which you alone can accomplish. Speak to us in Jesus' name. Amen. So in verse 3, it says, We always thank God, the God, uh, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, when we pray for you, since we have heard of your faith in Christ Jesus and the love that you have for all the saints, because of the hope laid up for you in heaven. Of this, you have heard before in the word of truth, the gospel which has come to you and is indeed is in the whole world. It is bearing fruit and is growing or increasing. And it is it is also. And it also does among you since the days as it also does among you since the days you heard it and understood the grace of God and truth, just as you have learned it from Epaphras and our beloved fellow servant. He is a faithful minister of Christ on your behalf and has made known to us the love of your love in the spirit. And so or for this reason. Since the day we heard of it, 
we have not ceased to pray for you and to ask that you may be filled with the knowledge of his will in all spiritual wisdom and understanding so that you may walk, that you will walk in a manner worthy of the Lord to please him in all respects, bearing fruit in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God, strengthened with all power according to his glorious might. For the attaining of all steadfastness and patience, joyously giving thanks to the Father who has qualified us to share in the inheritance of the saints in light. For he rescued us from the domain of darkness and he transferred us to the kingdom of his beloved son in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. That's our passage for this morning. For this reason, also since the day we have heard of it, verse 9, we have not ceased to pray for you to ask that you may be filled with the knowledge of his will to all in all spiritual wisdom and understanding so that you may walk in a manner worthy of the Lord. So he says in the previous verses that I read that I have heard of the reputation of you, Colossian church, and what God has done is the gospel has come to you, the truth of God has come to you and is changing you and is bearing fruit and is increasing in your lives. I, I've heard the reputation of the significance of the impact of the truth of God's word upon your hearts and lives, and it's changing and it's transforming you, and that's awesome. And so because I've heard of that, I, I want to just commend you on that. But then this is where it gets crazy. Because of this, because the gospel has changed you from the day you heard it and is continuing to change you and is increasing, because of that, I have not stopped to pray for you guys that you may have a fuller understanding of the knowledge of God's will and spiritual wisdom and understanding. It seems to me that if the gospel has impacted them in the way that it has impacted them, Paul would change his prayer list around a little bit and he would push them into the B column and he would push some other people that are not seeing the gospel growing among them and increasing that are a little bit of a problem and he would shift them to the A column and that would be the focus of his prayers. You haven't gotten it like the Colossian church so I'm writing you this letter to tell you these things and to let you know I have not ceased to pray for you because you haven't got it like the Colossian church. But he doesn't do that. His prayers, and I'm sure he prayed for those people, and I don't know that he had A and B columns. But nonetheless, it's amazing to me, he's writing this letter to commend them, but he tells them, you haven't arrived, and I am not going to cease to pray for you that you will go even deeper in your relationship with Christ. Wow. So I... You're saying that when we get saved, we become a Christian, that there's more? Yeah, <laughs> there's a lot more. There's a whole lot more. Remember, we said last week that the gospel talks about being in Christ. We talked about how the, the gospel is not just the place, the starting point where you dive off into. It's not the diving board that you dive off into, but it's the pool that we swim in, we're enveloped in, we live in, abide in, grow in, suffer in, struggle in wrestle in, are attacked in, we grow in that, the gospel of Christ. And it doesn't stop. And God has things that he wants to teach you if you would just unplug your ears and put the distractions aside and open the word of God and 
make yourself available to hear the things that he wants you to hear. And Jesus intercedes on our behalf and prays on our behalf, I believe, the same thing Paul's praying. In fact, he did in John chapter 17. You look that up. You can read that later. That's Jesus' prayer. But Paul, like Jesus, also ceased to, he did not, he did not cease to pray for his disciples or, to be honest, a disciple of his disciples because Epaphras is the one who won these folks to Christ, planted the church, and, and was, was growing them. So <laughs> these aren't even his spiritual kids. These are grandkids of his, and he's praying for the grandkids of his that they would grow deeper. And so it, it exposes some questions that there's lots to think about here for this reason. Since the day we heard of it, does not cease to pray for you that it asks that you be filled. That word fill means that you would be complete. It has two thoughts to it. Filled means complete, but it also means controlled by. In fact, when, when Paul uses the word filled, he says, um, don't be drunk with wine. In other words, don't be controlled by chemicals. You can insert whatever chemicals or other idols in your life. Don't be controlled by things, but be transformed by God's word. Actually, in that verse, he says, don't be controlled by, don't be drunk with wine, but be filled with the spirit. So in contrast, don't be controlled by alcohol or whatever, but be filled, i.e. controlled by God's spirit. Okay, you, you think there's escape in this other stuff and that you're going to find some kind of communion with peace or whatever, and it's going to get you out of whatever you're hurting, you're struggling or whatever, and whatever you're seeking. But the reality is the Holy Spirit is the vehicle by which we find peace and we find um, fruit in our life and hope and joy and all those things. So be controlled by God's spirit. So that sense, that word filled means complete or controlled by the knowledge of my will. Who doesn't want to know the will of God? Paul prays for them that you would be filled with the knowledge of my will. In all spiritual wisdom it qualifies it the world loves wisdom everybody wants wisdom i want to be i want knowledge i want to you know what's funny uh this is wow i don't want to rant on this long but we 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 people love with they want to have knowledge and so what we've done now is we have put all of the pursuit of knowledge onto the world wide web and and we have made it Real time. So you can get instant knowledge and information about whatever's happening all around the world. And you can get all of that knowledge instantaneously right now. And it'll even affect some of you as you're sitting here every once in a while. Your phone's probably, you look up and you're like, oh, there's a freeze tonight. Instant knowledge. Wisdom. Oh, my team lost. Instant knowledge. And wisdom. Oh, someone so did something crazy in a political, whatever. Okay. You know, whatever. And, and we're constantly getting but as if you can get wisdom from a tweet i mean it's not even like literal words i mean they're like lol happy face smiley face sad thumbs up yeah there's a lot of wisdom in that oh yeah no not so much right And, and and yet so we think we're smarter and yet we're dumber because we don't even have all the information. We just, we just draw conclusions from little bits and pieces of sound bites or tweets or thoughts or, you know, pictures with words under whatever. And we think that makes us smarter. And yet he says, man, I'm praying that you guys don't get distracted. Hello, church in America. Hello, Cross Life Church. By all the worldly wisdom, pseudo wisdom, but that you would 
be filled with the knowledge of my will in all spiritual wisdom. Spiritual wisdom is the application of God's will to earthly situations. When you hear all of the information of today, when you look at how crazy the world is, is your, is your desire to get sucked into the arguments and pick a camp and a side and a team? Or is your first response to remember, I am a citizen of heaven and I am here with an eternal purpose that God has called me to fulfill in my short little life here on earth. And it is not to advocate for any politician or political party, but it's to advocate first and foremost to Jesus. And when I look at what's happening, yes, I will vote. Yes, I will, you know, deal with immoral things and speak for those who don't have a voice like babies who are slaughtered in the womb daily and have most of the politicians have no problem with that. Yes, I'm going to I'm going to deal with that stuff. Yes, I'm going to I'm going to fight for those that are without food and water and different things and we can we can help them. I want to be about that. Yes, that's that's biblical, that's right. But when I look at the phenomena of why people are gravitating to certain people, I can step back and I have spiritual wisdom and I can see you know what they're doing. Doesn't matter which side. They are trying to get their functional saviors uh, met their 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 uh, their need for salvation met in whatever their politician, which they think is going to save them. And if they vote for this guy, he's going to give me this, this, and this. And if I vote for that guy, he's going to give me this, this, and this. And the reason they like this guy or the reason they la- like that guy exposes more of who they really are and what they really think than anything. And so, spiritual wisdom helps us step back from the fight and go, okay, what's really going on, and how can I? Speak the gospel into this that people's hearts will be changed because that's the only thing that's going to change a nation is when hearts are changed. We need revival. We need renewal. We need people to know the word of God. We need missions in our country, in our neighborhoods. That's what we need. That's spiritual wisdom. So here's the question for us this morning. Think about the supremacy of Christ in all things. How full is my wisdom and knowledge? How complete, how controlling is the wisdom and knowledge that I've gotten from God. Do you have filled up, you know, do you have the knowledge, the wisdom and the knowledge and the understanding is the third word he uses, the understanding, putting together the facts and the information to draw conclusions, to see the relationships. You know, it, it's, it's kind of like, um, you know, even... People would say, you know, about the Bible. I've read the Bible. I know what it says. We're there. It's kind of like walking through ETSU's campus, okay, and and then saying, you know, yeah, I've been to college, okay, or or go beyond that, walking through Harvard or Yale or Princeton. In fact, do them all three. Go through all three. Walk through the campuses. Yeah, I've been to college. I know all that. You know, you kind of pass by the library while you're walking through. There's a lot of information there. You maybe didn't read. And, and digest, and so to think that you know everything that there is to know because you walk through a college campus is about as dumb as somebody saying, well, I read the Bible, so I know everything that's in there. There's a whole lot more than just the, your initial cursory reading of or the couple of verses you've read on coffee mugs in your lifetime. Um, there's more to it than that. And so you might want to spend some more time in it, but yet we think that we have understanding. It, it, it's one thing to have re- read something. It's another thing for God to have illuminated it to you and for you to be able to connect the dots between the truth of God's word and how it relates to today. 
Say, well, I understand the word. I know the word. Okay, well, then why do you have so much a problem with anxiety or bitterness or anger or fear? Why do you have such a problem with forgiveness? Why do you have so much such a problem with this or that, whatever? If you have such great understanding, Paul knows that they need to grow in this. And so he prays that they will not see. He continues to pray that they will continue to go deeper and have a fuller, more controlling understanding of God's wisdom and knowledge. And so I ask you, how are you doing in that? Second thing he talks about is their value. Just so that you may walk in a manner worthy of the Lord to please him in all respects. This is an interesting one. When you when you think of walking in a manner worthy, what does it mean to walk in a manner worthy? Worth is another way of talking about worth is to talk about value. And so if you say something is worthy, you're saying something's valuable or of a value that's that's great enough for whatever it is you're comparing it to. And so to to establish the value of something, you have to compare it to something else. Okay. I have a scale here I have constructed. And so if we were to take this scale here and we were to take, let's say, five pounds of gold. Now, you can look, you know, online or whatever, um, ask Siri, Siri, well, how is the value of gold? And it'll tell you how many, how much ounce of gold. So if we were to take, you know, 10 ounces of gold and we're to put it on this side and then we were to take 10 ounce weight that we know this is 10 ounces and we put it on this side, it should balance out, right? And if, if the gold's heavier, then we go, oh, well, that's more than 10 ounces. And if, likewise, if it goes the other way, then we know, oh, okay, we need to put some more gold on there so that it will be of equal value. Does that make sense? How does it, how does it uh, compare? In fact, let's take the cross, for instance, of Christ. When you follow Jesus, Jesus says um, that we are to take up his cross and follow him. And so that's a pretty big deal. I mean, the cross is, we're going to celebrate Easter Next Sunday, we're going to celebrate the resurrection. In fact, Friday, we're going to celebrate the cross, which through the cross, Jesus has purchased us. He's paid for. He's redeemed us. His blood shed on the cross redeemed the world from their sins. For all those who will repent and put their faith and trust in Christ, they'll be forgiven. That's pretty powerful. And he tells us, if you're going to follow me, you likewise will have to take up your cross and follow me. And so when we take the cross and then we take our life, Okay, and so I've got, here's you and me. This is Ken, maybe some of you guys have met him. And um, this is a friend of Ken's. They're not dating or anything, but um, she's a princess, and she's uh, the only one I could find that was dressed modestly enough to be in church Sunday. You know what I'm saying? Barbie's really inappropriate. We're going to pray for her. Okay, Barbie's not there where she needs to be. But if we were to take, um, you know, and she's having a bad hair day, obviously. This is us, okay? And if we're to take ourselves and we are to compare ourselves to the cross, how do we balance out? I mean, when we balance our life, when you measure your life and the value of the life you live, is it proportionate to the cross? I mean, when we think about that, it's really, really not. Really not where we need to be. I mean... I know a lot. I've been a Christian for a long time. Paul, don't pray for me. You could pray for somebody else. I'm doing good. I'm doing good. A little bit, we're going to go to Pinecrest, and we're going to deliver food boxes. And we're going to ask people, how can I pray for you? And half the people are going to say, man, pray for this and pray for that, and they're going to be open to that. And um, most of the time, pray that my kids are healthy. Pray that we, my job works out. Pray that this, pray that. But half the people are going to say, I'm good. You don't have to pray for me. Oh, so, you, so you're, you're good. Or maybe not so much. What are we comparing ourselves to? To say that we're good. 
I mean, have you arrived? And then think about the things we actually pray for other people. God, I pray that they don't get a head cold. I pray that they get a raise. I pray that they get this, that, whatever. whatever. Are we really praying? Should we not be praying as Paul prayed that we would have a deeper, fuller understanding of the will of God and spiritual wisdom and understanding that we, the gospel would increase and bear fruit in our lives? Isn't that what we should be praying for? Isn't that what God has called us to be about? Do you live a life worthy? Don't breathe of the Lord. What is the value of my walk with the Lord? I mean, is it reflective of the cross? Is it really reflective? Is it proportionate to Jesus in the life he lived, in the sacrifice he laid down, in the, the, the way I respond to other people? Do I live in such a way as Galatians 3 tells us, I've been crucified with Christ, therefore I no longer live. Now Jesus Christ lives in me. And the life I live, I live in the flesh. I mean, the life I live in the flesh, I live in, through the one or in the one um, who saved me. I mean, do I live a crucified life? Do I live a life where I'm dead to my rights? I'm dead to my perspective, or my value, my whatever, and I, and I am just completely bankrupt and put in Jesus and I trust him to be all. Or am I just out of sync. What is the value of my walk? He talks about a walking in a manner worthy so that you would walk in a manner worthy of the Lord to please him in all respects. That's a whole nother thought about our value. Is our, is our value proportionate? Nonetheless, is it pleasing? Does God look at your life and go, man, I love, yeah, they were great. I, I'm so pleased with the way that they walk. And by the way, when the, when the Bible talks, Paul uses the word walk Okay, he's talking about the way you conduct your life. That's what that means. Walk. It's not talking about literally your gait. Okay, he's talking about how do you conduct? How do you navigate the world? How do you? How does your life lay out as you're walking with God? What does your walk look like, and how is it going? The value of a walk. The worth of a walk. Is it pleasing? You know, is it, is it empowered by God's Spirit? Is it that kind of walk? And then the other thing to, to think about when we're, we're assessing is how, what's the fruit of my walk? What's the fruit of my walk? He goes on to say that you'd be pleasing in all respects, bearing fruit in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God, strengthened with all purpose. Some translations would argue that it should be increasing in the knowledge by God. In other words, God is kind of like the rain that nurtures and grows plants. That, that we, we grow in knowledge by being nurtured by God and His Word. He, he grows us. He nurtures us. So that they'd be bearing fruit in every good work, increasing in the knowledge of God as they're nurtured by God, strengthened with all power according to His glorious might. The, the power that's inherent to Him who rules everything. Again, the slide at the beginning says the supremacy of Christ in all. That Jesus has power over all. And so the fact that he is supreme in all, he has strengthened us according to his glorious might for the attaining of all steadfastness and patience, joyously giving thanks to the Father who has qualified us to share in the inheritance of the saints of light. Hopefully you're wrestling with this question right here. Am I qualified? <laughs> maybe, maybe you've already done the math and you're going, mm, yeah, I am uh, disproportionately not equal in my worth and value to the cross. I don't, I don't measure up. I'm not qualified. 
hope you've done the math. I hope you've thought through that. And, and, and I would be shocked if you didn't come to another conclusion. But here's the good news is he doesn't stop there. He doesn't end with that thought. Again, he begins with the fact that at the beginning of the chapter, you are to, uh, I, I've heard your reputation, the gospel is growing in you and is bearing fruit and is increasing. And because of this, I have not ceased to pray for you that you would grow in your wisdom even more. Wisdom, understanding. Be filled with wisdom and understanding. And, and that you would walk in a manner worthy of the Lord, bearing fruit in every good work, increasing in the knowledge of God, strengthened with all power, according to his glorious might, for the attaining of the steadfastness and of patience, that, uh, and patience that, that means self-restraint rather than kind of hasty judgment. And then he says, joyously giving thanks the Father, and you would be delighting in that. That's a whole other thing. Am I of value, and then am I happy about trying to get to the point where I'm proportionately of value? I mean, that's, that's what a burden to live under. Do Am I good enough? Can I be good enough? But then he goes on to say, this is where it gets beautiful and freeing, and all kind of comes together. He says, for the one who has qualified us to share in the inheritance, he has qualified us to share in the inheritance. Inheritance, mean, that word qualified means he has made us adequate, sufficient, capable. The, the, the truth of the gospel is your life isn't in proportion to Jesus and it never will be. It won't be. You don't rest there and go, well, that's good. I, no, it should be, but it's not. So repent of that. And then trust in, rest in, celebrate, be thankful for, be joyous for the fact that you have been qualified through Christ. It is Jesus that qualifies you. It's, in fact, if we were to draw this illustration, I don't want to wreck it, so I'm not going to mess with the balance here. But what we need to do is put the word of God on this side, representing the law, and the cross on that side. And that's what balances us. When we're confronted by the truth and the way that we're supposed to live our lives and the, the life that God has created us to live and how out of sync we are with that, how invaluable our, our lives are, how lacking in value our lives are, how unworthy we are compared to what God's standard is, which is so much more weighty than the lives that we live. But then when we put the cross on and we are in the cross, the cross is in us, we, we, sell, we surrender to Jesus and suddenly we are qualified. My qualified. Can my life be a life of wisdom, of walk, and of work? That's the three things. Write, write those three things down. Um, is your life full of wisdom of God? Is your walk, you walk in a manner worthy, your relationship with Christ, is it exposed a manner worthy? And is your work qualified? Wisdom, walk, and work. Wisdom, Walk and work. And let me tell you how these relate. We want to have the work. I want what I do to be what it needs to be. But, but here's the reality, and this is why I spent a little bit of time. It does actually relate to the sermon. In the beginning, talking about spending time in the Word. If before your work is going to qualify and is be what it needs to be, you're going to have to walk in a manner worthy. And to walk in a manner worthy means you're going to have to spend time with God and you're going to have to walk with Him. You have to walk with the Holy Spirit, be in step with the Spirit. Let God's Spirit control you and direct you and repent as God exposes stuff in your life and trust in Jesus um, and, and put your faith in Him who's provided 
the righteousness, the goodness, the payment for your sin. So before your walk is right, first you have to, I mean, before your work is right, you have to deal with the walk. And before, if the walk is going to be right, then you're going to have to look for spiritual wisdom. The wisdom of God. The wisdom of God reveals our need to have a walk. And when we have a right walk, it's going to result in fruit and right work. And those three things are connected. And you can't have the end result without the first two. If you're not growing in wisdom, then, uh, then you know, you're not going to be growing in your walk with the Lord, or you're not growing your walk with the Lord, and you're not going to have works that are fruitful. So am I qualified? Can my wisdom, my walk, my work be qualified? Final thought, I, I want to encourage you with this, and this, this is a sermon for its own, but let, let me just read this truth to you. Verse 13, for he has rescued us from the domain of darkness. And he has transferred us to the kingdom of his beloved son in whom we have redemption and the forgiveness of sins. So, so what God has done is he has invaded the domain of darkness. This is incredible. He's do- invaded the domain of darkness. I was reading this last week of uh, Navy SEAL rescue where this guy in, I think, Afghanistan was uh, American, was, was captured, and he'd been there for a while. And the you know, Navy SEAL team shows up, and they, there's bullets flying everywhere. They're being resisted. You know, they're being attacked by the, the folks they're going against. And they get into the room where the guy, I think his name was Joseph, um, they're trying to rescue, and they're you know, screaming out for him. And he's like, I'm here. And so one of the SEALs jumps on top of him because he's got bulletproof vests and stuff like that. Not that he's not vulnerable, but he's more protected than the the guy they're trying to rescue. So he jumps over him. Meanwhile, a couple of the insurgents are coming against him, and he pins one guy up against the wall while he shoots some other guys, pinning a guy up against the wall, protecting this guy, saves the lives of some of his other seals. I mean, just this guy's like Superman here. I mean, it's incredible what he's doing. He invades this place, pins a guy up against the wall, protects the other guy, takes out other guys, neutralizes the threat. That's the nice way of saying it. And then gets the guy, rescues him, and gets him out of there. That's cool, and that would make an awesome movie. But it is disproportionate in value to what Christ did on the cross. When he invaded the domain of darkness, he left heaven in the glory of heaven. He came to this earth with people that hated him and beat him and shout on today, save us, Jesus, save us, Messiah, and a few days later are going to nail him to a cross. Those people... He comes to save and to rescue. Yes, he did that. He invaded the domain of darkness. And he rescued us from that domain. And he has transferred us. He has deported us to the kingdom of his beloved son. That's a good king. That's a good place to live. The other place isn't a good place to live. The, The kingdom of his beloved son, that is a great place. By the way, do you know that the kingdom of his beloved son is not a future thing? It's a present and future thing. Kingdom is the place where his, where King Jesus rules and reigns. The hearts of his people. He rules and reigns in the hearts of his people. And so if you are a follower of Christ. You have been transferred into the kingdom of his son. And there's still some bullets flying. And there's still some battles going on right now. And you probably have experienced that. But. But. You're part of a different. You're a citizen of a different land. You're part of the kingdom of God. And there's going to be a day where he will establish his rule and reign. And all of the battles will be done at that point. But right now, we have been transferred the kingdom of his beloved son in whom we have redemption, which means we have been purchased from slavery 
and we have forgiveness of sins. So if I can bring this all together, if you will look to Micah, you can find that, Minor Prophets, Micah 7, 8. The reality, if I know you like I know me, and I imagine you're not so different than me, uh, you struggle with living a life of deceit as a follower of Christ because you know that your life doesn't measure up. And so we try to do the best we can to fake it till we make it, hoping it's going to work out. We go through the motions. We do what we can. But the reality is we live with this inner guilt that I'm necessarily not what I need to be. I know I'm not worthy of my king. I know I don't live enough. I know I fail too often. I know I don't live up. I, I want you to rest in the truth that you have been qualified. You're good. You're good in Christ. You are good. And what we need is a little bit of gutsy faith instead of constantly, even though we've been delivered and set free mentally, it's like we go back and we want to live in the domain of darkness constantly. And and that's why I want to read this passage for you because it beautifully exposes this reality that we, we struggle with. Micah 7, verse 8. Rejoice not over me, O my enemy, when I fall. I shall rise. When I sit in darkness, the Lord will be my light. I will bear the indignation of the Lord because I have sinned against him, which means that, you know, I messed up and I'm going to get whooped. Okay, I mean, Hebrews tells us that, you know, any father that doesn't discipline his son when they do wrong doesn't love their child and God loves you. And so you will bear the indignation for the sins that you Commit. I mean, there's consequences is, is the thing. I mean, you, you do you 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 sow uh, what you sow, you're going to reap. OK, now, not eternally, if you're a follower of Christ. He's he's paid for that. But in this lifetime, when you mess up, there's going to be consequences. Right. I mean, we, we understand that. OK, you, you can't speed, you know, leave here and drive down 26, going 120 miles an hour, get pulled over and go. I just want you to know, officer, I've been forgiven. I'm qualified. OK, well, that's awesome that, you know, you prayed that prayer. First John 1 John 1.9, you do that. In fact, here, let me write this on this ticket. Okay, and, and, and pray it while you pay this ticket. There's consequences earthly. You're going to bear the indignation of the Lord. But nonetheless, get this, this is so good. I will bear the indignation of the Lord because I've sinned against him until he pleads my case and executes judgment for me. and He will bring me out to the light. I shall look upon his vindication. Jesus has pled your case. Jesus has qualified you. Jesus has provided the wisdom and the understanding. And all those things are in him. Look no further. And stop living a defeated, beat up life. Thinking that you are not valuable to Jesus because you are of utmost value because the cross measures Your value is proportionate to the sacrifice and the purchase that has been made on your behalf. You have been rescued and you have been qualified and you have been purchased and you have been redeemed and you have been forgiven. I may be down, but I will rise. And I may be in the dark, but the Lord will be my light. Let's pray. Father, if there's anyone here that does not know you, I pray that they would repent and trust in the Jesus who qualifies, who rescues, who forgives. 
And Father, for those of us that are living defeated lives as if we just never, we're just never going to get it, God, may we just repent of trying to get it and just rest in the one who has gotten it for us. And God, may we know that you have pleaded our case. We are forgiven. and You have redeemed us. You have made us adequate. Help us rest in that truth that there will be fruitfulness in our lives, that the gospel will bear fruit and will increase. Fullness of wisdom and spiritual understanding will grow. Your glory. Jesus, we look to you, our adequacy, our qualifier, our value.